0: Hello, this is Derek Ray, and you're listening to Bavarian Podcast Works. Hello, and welcome to... The final episode of Bavarian Podcast Works discussing the 2019-2020 Bundesliga season. We've had a topsy-turvy season to say the very least, but it ended up with Bayern being his champions and it ended out on a high note for the Bavarians with a win against Wolfsburg. I am joined today by Chuck Smith. Chuck, how are you doing? today
1: good Jake how's it going with you it has been an absolutely crazy week in Bayern Munich land so I'm looking forward to uh talking to you about the events of last week and how Bayern finished off their Bundesliga season
0: so let's go ahead and get right into that it was a 4 nothing win for the Bavarians yet another clean sheet in this long season for Manuel Neuer two points of note Alvaro Odriozola gets his very first start in his very last game in a Bayern Munich uniform, and Mikael Cuisance also gets a start today, and we're going to make note of that because Cuisance did something spectacular and this game that we'll explain later. But first goal came in the fourth minute from Kingsley Coman, a long through ball from Thomas Müller. Kingsley outpaced Robert Lewandowski, who was in a similar position and almost right there, but Kingsley was able to get to the ball first, shot to the lower left corner, put Bayern up 1-0. And then, 37th minute, Mikhail Kuisance scores his first goal in the Bundesliga. First goal for Bayern, and it is a spectacular Wonderful shot. He kind of cuts in from the top of the box up from the right side, almost Robin-esque if you, if you ask me, and it's just absolutely beautiful. A rocket to the top left corner. It was an A-plus effort, and it put Bayern up 2-0, and that's how they finished out the first half. Penalty in the 71st minute, Cuisance goes down after a rough challenge in the box, and if it's a penalty, you know who's going to step up, and you know that it's already going in from the moment that his foot touches the ball. It's Robert Lewandowski easily putting it away, making it 3-0. Then in the 79th minute, a beautiful cross into the box from Ivan Perisic, Right to Thomas Müller, who hits it on the volley, makes it 4-0, and that is how we arrived at that scoreline. Chuck, we don't have much to talk about outside of the score, so your thoughts?
1: I I mean, Jake, if you were going to pick a way to end the season for Bayern Munich that you really can't beat the effort that they put out there, it was great because you got to see a mix of contributions from the veterans and the youngsters alike. You talked a lot about cuisants there. That goal for him was a long time coming. We had seen so many flashes of his talent and what he could do on the pitch. But to actually see him put one in the net at that point, I think that was a huge confidence boost for him. And as we saw from some of the transfer rumors this week, it has really sparked a lot of interest from some French clubs. So you could really see that that kid needed that at this time. And then, like we talked about, Jake, the veterans came through. Robert Lewandowski got a penalty. Converted that. That was, again, for him, just to get a goal in the last game. I thought that was excellent. Moeller capped off a fantastic Bundesliga season uh, with the goal you talked about on the assist from Perisic. So, Jake, just a great effort. I, I think it really was the perfect way for Bayern to end the season. They got some of their deep reserves, some playing time in Odria Zola's <laughs> in particular. So it, it was a great way to end it. And I think that now... They're looking forward to these next couple of matchups, the DFP, Pokal, and the Champions League, and just to see what they can do with that. But it was, again, you really can't ask for a better finish.
0: I really loved seeing that performance from Cuisance. I was a little bit sad to see that none of the youngsters were able to get onto the pitch in any time in this game. But then again, it was the final match of the season. Some of these players that are starting... Some of these players that got some attention and some love and some playing time, we might not see them again. And it's kind of sad, especially when you go down the list of the players in here and you consider some of the rumors that have been circulating. Namely, we have somebody like Luca Hernandez, who just came in this recent year. There were rumors at the beginning of the week about PSG wanting to swoop in and try to get him Those rumors have kind of died down a little bit now. Other players, like you mentioned, Cuisance possibly going out on loan. So do you think that if any of those two look back on their Bayern Munich careers, do you think they're going to be happy? Or in the case of Hernandez, who got injured and had a low amount of playing time, Cuisance never really went down to Etsy Bayern 2 and had any playing time in the third league down there. He kind of just sat on the bench for a while. Do you think they're going to look back and possibly regret making this move at all?
1: It's funny because when you look at both players, they're both at Bayern for different reasons. With Hernandez, I think Bayern at that point identified him as the, the exact kind of center back slash left back that could step in, fill a couple of roles, be versatile, and provide that kind of next generation of center back after Matt Hummels and Jerome Boateng. It didn't work out that way. Uh, the emergence of David Alaba as a center back, for one, uh, was kind of a revelation, and really did force Hernandez to the bench. And in addition to the en- injuries that Hernandez had, he really couldn't supplant Alaba anyway. So. I don't know if he could do it all over again. He would make this move, but, you know, money talks, Jake, and I'm sure that his his bank account appreciated the move. As for Cuisance, it was really a, a no-loss situation for him. Uh, he came to a bigger club than where he was at. He didn't get a lot of playing time, but he got PT at the right time. This end of the season, he was able to open some eyes, flash his skill, and show his value so I think that in the end, he got a great year of training with some of the best players on earth. He definitely improved his game, and now he's in a position where he can either stay and compete for what looks like at least a rotational role next year at Bayern Munich, or he'll take a loan where he'll undoubtedly be a starter for a, for whatever team he goes to. Either way, he wins in this deal. So I think that from his standpoint, he would make the move and You know, I think that in the end, if a couple of moves happen in that central midfield position with Thiago or Taliso or Javi Martinez, we might not have to worry about Cuisance moving on. He could be right back in Munich next season.
0: Two other players outside of Hernandez and Cuisance possibly made their final appearances, two lone players to be very specific, namely Philippe Coutinho and Ivan Perisic. Now, Coutinho's time at Bayern hasn't necessarily been the most fortuitous. He, at one point, was one of the highest scorers on the team and was a relatively consistent uh, player and starter under Nico Kovac. But when we saw Hansi Flick come in, he solidified that number 10 role as Thomas Müller's to lose. And Müller stepped up and showed why he's arguably one of the best Bayern Munich players that we've had this entire decade. Now, Coutinho, obviously, Bayern wouldn't be able to afford him. They wouldn't necessarily need him either. Perisic, on the other hand, provides a different kind of play. He comes in off the bench, occasionally starts, and he's been very consistently great in terms of playmaking, in terms of passing, in terms of crossing. He's older which means that his fee would go down. And I know that you and I have previously mentioned that we would want Perisic to stay at the club. However, after the recent acquisition of Leroy Sané, do you think Bayern holds on to them? Putting aside what we both would like to see, do you think Bayern makes that move?
1: Yeah, I think with Perisic in particular, his salary is going to be a major impediment I think that he, in the the beginning of this season, when he came over, he was able to establish himself and show his value as a veteran presence off the bench. But at this stage, I'm not sure that Byron's going to retain him. And It's not because of his performance, which I thought was really, really good. But I think that they do not want to spend as much money and salary as as it's going to take to keep him. So I think that we may see him return uh, back to Inter Milan. But, you know, it's one of those things with him. He could still fill a role at Byron. I just don't think the salary demands are going to work out, given the new structure that'll be in place with the addition of Leroy Sané. Uh, as for Coutinho, I didn't understand this move when it happened. I understand he, that he's a talent, and he's, he has unquestionable skill. I just felt like this was just another slap in the face of Thomas Muller. It was another player that came in to directly supplant supplant him, and it just didn't work out again. So, I mean, Coutinho, for his part, was a good soldier. We didn't see any of the ridiculous outbursts and, you know, tweets leaving the locker room and all the nonsense that happened with James Rodriguez. But, you know, he was a professional. He he played his part here, but he just never really clicked. So losing him, I don't think really hurts the team at all. In fact, I think that by, this will allow Bayern to do some things with some younger players and create some more opportunities for some of the kids that have shown the ability. So I think, you know, from a Bayern standpoint overall, the Coutinho experiment didn't work, but Perisic was exactly what they needed this year. And he played a big role. So, I you know, it's one of those things. One move worked out, the other didn't, Jake.
0: I find it kind of ironic that. The player with the higher amount of talent, arguably, was not the player that worked out the best at Bayern. I find that a little funny. But at the same time, I'll also say this. Coutinho, when he was back at Liverpool, was deployed often as a left winger. And throughout this entire season, it just blew my mind that no one would utilize Coutinho in that role more often. It, it it infuriated me at some points because that's a more natural position for Coutinho, and there were times where you would see him on the pitch dribbling out towards the wing and whipping in crosses, and it, I just kept screaming in my head, like, that's where he wants to play. That's where his gifts are utilized best, and I feel that, it was not necessarily a case that Philippe Coutinho wasn't a good talent and that Bayern couldn't have used him. When I first saw this move come in, I got excited because I said, OK, if Kingsley Colman goes down this season, which thank God he didn't, Philippe Coutinho could be utilized on that left wing. And I think I maybe saw one game this entire year where Coutinho was actually played on the left side of the field. And that just that just made no sense to me. So I chalk it up to that more than I chalk it up to his player performances because there were times this year, right, like in the first couple of games of the year, Philippe Coutinho was pretty, pretty good, right? Before Hansi Flick came in, it's not like, Kovac decided to put Coutinho in and he was just obviously not the player that he was, that he was absolutely terrible, that he was giving the ball away a lot, and that he just, like, literally, if you put a pylon there, it would be a better performance than what Philippe Coutinho put forth. No, that wasn't the case. He was a good player. But he was utilized in the wrong position over and over and over again. And I just never understood why that was. And
1: I think some of the moves early in the season kind of forced that, Jake. When you look at it, the way that Niko Kovac handled Coutinho and how he immediately pushed Muller to the bench, I, I don't think it left Hansi e. Flick much of an option other than to commit to Thomas Muller. And I don't know that at that point Coutinho could supplant Coman, Serge Gnabry, or even Perisic on the wing, just given the way that they performed over the course of the season. So it, it was tough. It was a really tough spot for Coutinho, And I don't think either you or I would ever doubt his talent, but it is probably best that he moves on. And, you know, with his situation, it looks like he'll be going back to Barcelona and then on to somewhere else. So hopefully he can get to a spot that's a little more stable and comfortable for him. And he'll be able to get back to the form that he showed a couple of years back before he made his ill fated move to Barcelona.
0: Yeah, I personally don't think that Barcelona is a good destination for him. He didn't really seem to click while he was there, and it's not like their current left-wing situation is good, right? Because Antoine Griezmann has been terrible for them this season, and their backup for him is Osman Dembele, and I feel like he's probably still more interested in playing Fortnite than he is for starting and caring about his career at Barcelona. Not to say that he's not a talented and skillful and quick player, but just you've seen so many stories about how he just doesn't put in the effort. Coutinho, back to him. I think that he can easily find a spot in the Premier League where they have trouble at left wing. Now, I think long and hard about this, right? It probably wouldn't be back to Liverpool because Sadio Mane has just been phenomenal for them. It wouldn't be Chelsea because Christian Pulisic has been pretty good so far as well. Manchester City. I honestly think Manchester City might be a decent landing place for them, right? If you think about it. Pep likes to stock up on high quality wingers and they just lost one of them. Do you think that might be a destination for him?
1: It could be. I mean, financially, it would definitely seem to to work in his favor. And like you said, Jake, there all of a sudden is a roster opening over there. So I think that if there is going to be a good spot, that would be one. It's just a matter of does he have the appetite to go there and compete the way he's going to have to to earn time on that squad? And, you know, is there an even better fit maybe with another club that, has suddenly come into money maybe Newcastle so I mean we'll see how it goes for him but I think that you know you're right the Premier League is is a great spot for him Manchester City would be phenomenal it would be a great chance for him to revive his career a little bit but you know it is best he moves on from Barcelona and gets back to somewhere where he can get on the pitch And in a lot of ways Jake I think that while Coutinho doesn't have the health concerns of Mario Götze it's it's very similar in the fact that if Gutza had went to a place where he could have been a no-doubt starter for the last two years, uh, I think he, his career would have gotten back on track. But it's so key for players to find a spot where they can get on the pitch to prove themselves. If Coutinho is going to make a move and he ends up you know, back in a rotation, it, it's it's not good for him. He needs to be on the field. He needs to play.
0: We're going to move on from Bayern and their roster and the players potentially going in and out, and we're going to focus on the bottom three positions in the Bundesliga table, occupied in no particular order by Werder Bremen, Fortuna Dusseldorf, and SC Paderborn. Paderborn are officially going down. They've been official to go down for a very long time. Recent... Reports came out saying that they're going to keep their coach, which makes perfect sense seeing as he was the one that saw them come all the way up from the third division to the top. One season down might not be the worst part of his uh, coaching career. They lost their final Bundesliga game 3-2 to Eintracht Frankfurt. Now, the storyline going into the final weekend was all about who was going to match up with the relegation playoff spot for whichever team would get it from the second division, and we will talk about that later. It was a battle between Fortuna Dusseldorf and Werder Bremen in order to get that spot. Fortuna Dusseldorf had a very tough match away to Union Berlin, and that got a lot tougher with a 3 nothing loss. Meanwhile, Werder Bremen had to play against a Köln side that was also pretty far down, and the results were unbelievable a final score of 6-1 for Werner Bremen sees them go to the relegation playoff Fortuna Dusseldorf which had for so long occupied that relegation playoff spot post corona pause are now officially relegated automatically going down Chuck what did you think of both of those teams on their final weekends what we
1: saw from Werder Bremen was the talent that, that we had expected to see all season, Jake. We saw them perform, and it was great. You saw goals from Osako, Rashica, Nicholas Fulkrug and our guy, Josh Sargent in particular. But it, I don't, I'm don't. i still puzzled by Werder Bremen. I cannot understand how they are in the position they are given the roster they had. And I like Florian Kohlfeld. I just I don't know what was wrong this season. I know they had a lot of defensive deficiencies, but... The fact that they were even in this spot and and almost automatically relegated is puzzling to me. Uh, As for Fortuna Dusseldorf, I I wasn't shocked. I rated them as the team in the league with the second worst talent after SC Paderborn. So I, I wasn't shocked with how they folded. It wasn't surprising by any means to me. And I think they actually will benefit from a year in the two Liga, i think that they will definitely use that time to revamp their roster a bit strengthening their use system and i think we'll probably see them back in a year or two but there's going to be some good competition down there as we know
0: absolutely looking more at that competition we talk about an armenia bfl team that earned promotion a couple of weeks ago a stuttgart team that pretty much easily won their way into a promotion spot down from the second division back to the first. But the more important discussion, who was going to get that promotion spot? It was a one-point difference between FC Heidenheim and Hamburg Asphalt. Heidenheim lost because they were playing Armenia, Bielefeld, and a 3-0 loss wasn't necessarily great. But what that meant was, Hamburg just needed to win against SV Sandhausen, and they would be fighting against Werder Bremen in a Nord Derby, two legs of a Nord Derby, to see who was going to stay up in the Bundesliga. Now, I would like to pat myself on the back. I don't normally toot my own horn, but when I get it right, I get it right. And what did I say last week? I said, don't underestimate this Sandhausen team. They've done so well all season, and I can expect that they would put up a good fight. And look what happened. It was a 5-1 win for SV Sandhausen, three goals for Sandhausen in the final six minutes of the game. And, fun fact, this is the worst loss for Hamburg as since match day six of the 2018-19 Zweite Bundesliga season when they lost 5-0 to Jan Regensburg. So, Hamburg, stay in the second division. Heidenheim, go to a promotion match. The first match of which happened today, the day we are recording this. It was a nil-nil draw at the Westerstadion. A 10-man Werder Bremen team got thoroughly dismantled by this Heidenheim team, which is not something that you would have expected either of us to say about any team that just drew nil-nil. But, Chuck, were you impressed by this Heidenheim team and the way they were able to stop Werder Bremen from doing anything today?
1: I I really was. I thought that Heidenheim approached the game the exact way they needed to. They were going to make life hell for Werder Bremen, and... Bremen did not adjust. They were very frustrated. And frankly, I, you know, a lot of people call soccer the beautiful game. This was not a beautiful game. And that's exactly what Heidenheim needed to do. They needed to make the game ugly. And it worked. They got the 0-0 draw. And now they'll move on to the second leg. And the pressure really isn't on them. They weren't supposed to be here anyway. They're like Dante and Clerks. They weren't even supposed to be here today. But now Werder Bremen is going to feel all of that pressure. And hopefully, you know, hopefully they can at least muster some fight. It's going to be difficult. I don't know with a team as young as some of the stars are at Vertebramen if they're quite ready for the stakes of this game when they're playing an opponent that simply has nothing to
0: lose. So it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm really fascinated by the matchup. It should be fun. Second leg, July 6th at the home ground of FC Heidenheim. That is something that you have to look forward to after this DFB-Pokal final being played at the Olympiastadion in Berlin. We will talk about that game when we come back after this break. Welcome back. And now we are going to tackle a in-show segment of Der Ausblick where we focus on the DFB-Pokal final. Uh, we're going to start by taking a look. Uh, both teams rode to the final. Of course, we're going to start off with Bayern Munich. A 3-1 win over Energie Cotbus in the first round kicked things off. An easy win for us and weirdly, one of our most popular articles that we've ever written, which, I mean, the love for Energie cottbus rolls deep deep within the hearts of the Bayern Munich fan base, of course. And then our second round game, arguably one of the toughest games Bayern Munich has played all season, a 2-1 nail-biter win over VFL Bochum, where an Alfonso Davies' own goal early in the game wasn't rectified until an 84th-minute Serge Gnabry goal to tie it, and then an 89th-minute goal from Thomas Müller to finally win it. In the round of 16, it was a- another close game, kind of close game you could tell by the scoreline that it was a close game but in reality a 4-3 win over Hoffenheim really started out with two own goals one per side in the first 15 minutes met with a Lewandowski brace and a goal from Thomas Muller in the quarterfinal a 1-0 win over Schalke the last game Bayern Munich played before the coronavirus pause it was a bit of a boring affair and then, lastly, the most recent game in Eintracht Frankfurt, 2-1 win for us. Uh, early goal from Perisic, and then goals swapped back and forth late from each side, saw Bayern go through to the Olympiastadion. Meanwhile, for Bayer Leverkusen, it was a bit of an interesting, a bit of a different story. A 4-1 win over Alemania Aiken to start off in the first round, then a win over Paderborn but only a 1-0 win. An a Lario goal in the 25th minute was the only thing that they could be able to muster up. Then round of 16 a 2- 2-1 no- win over VfB Stuttgart. No goals were scored into until a Stuttgart own goal in the 72nd minute. Quarterfinal match 3-1 against Union Berlin and then the semifinal they uh, they love to end good things in in the city of Leverkusen because they beat F.C. in 3 nothing. They ruined that fairy tale, and for that, I will never forgive them. Chuck, who do you think had a tougher road to the final between Bayern and Bayer?
1: It, it, it's, a t- it's an interesting question, uh, Jake, because I think both teams at times during this particular tournament, didn't perform up to their capabilities. I guess if you had to twist my arm, I don't know. I guess I would say Leverkusen had a slightly tougher road just based on the outcomes of their games. But their talent level should have put them in a much better position than they they were in many of these contests. So it'll be interesting to see if they are motivated and ready for this matchup.
0: Bayern Munich defeated Bayer Leverkusen. 4-2 in one of their more recent Bundesliga games towards the very end of the season. One major cog in that Bayer Leverkusen lineup was missing that game. Kai Havertz. He wasn't able to play in that game. Whether I'm not exactly sure. I forget whether it was due to injury or a suspension. But anyway, missing Havertz obviously hurt them in that game. He's available for selection in this game. I think back to last year when Bayern beat Leipzig in the final, where I feel like Havertz has a similar role to play that Timo Werner did. Do you think that Havertz will actually be able to step up and do what Timo Werner wasn't and try to motivate his team to getting the trophy? Or do you think that the moment might be too much on the shoulders of a 20-year-old.
1: I think Havertz himself is ready for the moment. I'm just not sure he has the supporting cast that's going to be able to compete with Bayern at this point. And by all accounts, it looks like he's completely healed and healthy after that muscle injury that he suffered. But I'm not sure that this Leverkusen team is quite ready for the Bayern team that they're about to face. It has nothing to do with the overall talent level of the squad. It's just they're not as good as Byron. And at this point, Byron hasn't showed any sign that they're about to slow down. And for as good as Havertz is, uh, there are so many people that Byron can use to check him and make sure that his life is hell. You've got Davies, you've got either center back. You're going to have Goretzka and Kimmich both probably sitting a little bit deeper, keeping an eye on him. It's going to be very tough as a player for Havertz to take this game over, just given the talent level that he's up against. And defensively, I can't see Leverkusen really being able to slow down Bayern unless Lewandowski and Muller you know, come down with some kind of stomach ailment before the game or something. I mean... Those two look unstoppable. Coman and Gnabry have been pretty solid. Not great, but solid. And the way that Kimmich and Goretzka have contributed into the offense, I just can't see Byron being slowed down or stopped at this point.
0: So with that being said, final score prediction, I'm thinking, I don't know. Part of me wants to say 4-2 again. Even with Havertz on the field. I think Havertz is going to score a goal... But given how dominant Bayern has been in their last couple of games, I doubt that they're going to slow it up in this uh, Pokal final. What do you think? I'm going to go back to an old If you dare say (laughs) 3-1, I swear to God. That's exactly,
1: Jake, that is exactly where I'm going. I'm going 3-1. I think Leverkusen is going to make this ugly in the beginning, but I think Bayern's going to break through. Leverkusen's going to panic. Bayern's going to get another goal, take a 2-0 lead and they're just going to completely dominate. Havertz, I think, will show well, but he's up against just a massive task. He's going to have to hope his teammates are ready. And there is talent there. It's not that they can't beat Bayern Munich. It's just that this stage of the season, the way the two teams have played, I just can't see Bayern letting down at this point. So we'll go with 3-1, Jake, as much as I know that infuriates you. It's
0: just (laughs) – it's – it's sad because you lack originality, Chuck. <laughs> I'm
1: old, Jake, and I am unoriginal. Yes, those are two things you could use to describe me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm not I'm not even going to argue with you there. <laughs> We're going to take another break. When we come back, we will answer some of your questions that you posed to us on Twitter. Stay with us. Welcome back, and now we tackle some of your questions using the hashtag Ask BPW. Be sure to always submit us questions. We'll always read them. We'll always see them, and usually, if they're good enough, we're gonna ask them on air. Now, first question was asked a little while ago. It was from it was from A Schultz underscore three. And at the time, it was a bit of a question that I kind of dismissed because the question was, "What position needs improvement, and who should be pursued in the upcoming transfer market for that spot?" Well, I don't know. Um, if you asked me, if you asked me a couple of weeks ago, I would have gave you some incredibly sarcastic answer and said, "Hmm, I don't know. Uh, we've been talking for." I don't know, about nine months to a year about how we need to go get a winger. And last I checked, Leroy Sané was still on the market and interested. So hmm, maybe I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say that we might need a winger and maybe we should look at Leroy Sané. But I think this question is good now. Because with Leroy Sané officially, unofficially coming into the club, the question needs to be asked. Wingers are pretty set now. Do you think, Chuck, that there's anywhere else that needs to be improved in this lineup?
1: When you look at the list of players that are already coming in, obviously Sané bolsters the wing core. Nubel, Alexander Nuble comes in. He's going to be the backup to Manuel Neuer. Uh, Tange Kwasi Nianzu has come in as well, and he will provide depth at center back and also in the defensive midfield. Those three moves, while only Sané would probably be referred to as spectacular, definitely help problem areas. And I think that I almost have to refrain from responding at this point because so much could happen with the Bayern Munich roster that could determine what exactly they need to do. I mean, most of the central midfield is rumored to be leaving between Tiago, Corinton Tolisso, Javi Martinez, perhaps Mikel Cuisance leaving on a loan. And you also have the David Alaba problem. If he leaves and is, uh, if he decides to move on, he's going to leave a big gap there. And I don't know if I'm convinced that Luca Hernandez is ready to fill that role on a permanent basis. So... I need to just kind of wait and see and and see where the chips fall on some of these moves, because I might want to say central midfield right now. But in two weeks or a month, I might say, oh, my gosh, we need a center back or we need a left back. So there's so much that's happening and it's all pandemic related because the whole world got pushed back. But once we see some of the moves that happen with Bayern Munich's roster. I think, Jake, in a couple of weeks, we might have a better idea how to accurately answer this.
0: I agree with that statement. I think that right now, Bayern seem to be fully taken care of, right? I think if there's any position that needs improvement, it would... And this is going to be funny. You might actually laugh at me for this. I think the position that Bayern needs to improve the most is... The FC Bayern 2 midfield. I think that in terms of the top flight, the team is relatively set in stone, right? It's such a glut of... Midfielders that were offshoring at least one or two of them, possibly three, as you mentioned, Javi Martinez might be out the door, as well as potentially Thiago, potentially Corin totally so, potentially, if you consider him a midfielder, David Alaba, right? But meanwhile... The best Bayern Munich 2 central midfielder, I would argue, is maybe Adrian Fine, and he's out on loan at Hamburg right now. I think if this Bayern team just further takes some of that money, obviously I want Kai Havertz to come to this team, right? I think that Kai Havertz is going to be the future of the German national team. So I think that Bayern needs to go out and get them, but I don't think that Bayern needs to improve their midfield. I think that the midfield is relatively all set right now, but if Bayern took some of the money that they got, if they sold some of those players and reinvested that back into their academy, reinvested that back into focusing on scouting and developing that next Kai Havertz. So that way we don't have to pay a hundred million euro for him. Um, I think that that would be about as good as going out and buying anybody.
1: And and Jake Havertz is interesting because he's not a player you necessarily need at this stage. But can you pass up the chance to get him if he's available? I mean, do you leave him sit there for Real Madrid or Manchester United to take a run at? I think that's an interesting part of Bayern's dilemma here. If they can make a serious bid on Havertz, do they do it? Will it be worth it financially? And if they do procure him, where does he fit? I mean, in my opinion, he is such a versatile, skilled, and, and unbelievably fast player He could play anywhere along the front line. He could back up Lewandowski. He could play with or behind Mueller. He could play on the wing. He could play as an eight. I think he's got that type of versatility. I can't see how you pass him up if you have the opportunity. I just don't know if Bayern will make the move, just given the global financial climate right now.
0: I agree, but at the exact same time, I think that the more Bayern sits there and waits... The more likely somebody else will go ahead and get him. I personally think that you have to go out and you have to get Havertz this summer. i th- i was sitting in the I was sitting in the car. I was listening to our more recent episode, and in our episode talking about the transfer of Leroy Sané, we ended up talking about the signing of Kai Havertz, and I think we have to go out and get him. I honestly think we have to go out and get him. The more and more I watch highlights of this kid, the more and more I think that the German national team needs to be built around him because I don't think that an out-and-out striker is going to be in the future of this team. I think that Timo Werner might not be good enough to be an out-and-out striker, but he might go ahead to Chelsea and completely change my mind on that. And I think Timo Werner fans would also agree with you, Chuck, that he is better suited and has shown his talents better as a second striker, as a false nine, than he has a straight out and out striker. I think that he's great. I just don't know if that's his best position. Now, Havertz, in the meantime, has that ability to also push up the field and has that ability to distribute the ball as well. I think that he's basically the next Thomas Muller and I think if Bayern doesn't realize that and pounce on him then we're making a huge mistake.
1: Yeah, and if Jake if they can find a way to make it work with him, bring him in, I have zero doubt that Hansi Flick can maneuver the lineup to find ways to make all that talent work. I had serious doubts about Carlo Ancelotti. I had serious doubts about Nico Kovac. I have no doubt that Flick can make this work.
0: Moving on to our next and final question. We have from at CG Stefco. The question is, who do you see as our biggest threat in the Champions League? It's a tough one because I want to say everybody. <laughs> because if we go ahead and we look at the final uh, teams... In this in this competition, let's at least look at the teams that have advanced so far. Right, Atletico Madrid. Would you want to play them, Chuck? No, because <laughs> I wouldn't. Uh, Real Madrid and Manchester City are set to duel in the remaining round of sixteen games. I wouldn't want to play either of them. Uh, Barcelona and Napoli still have to play. I wouldn't want to play either of them (laughs) either. Um, Juventus and Lyon. I mean, I guess if there's anybody that I would pick, I would pick Lyon. Juventus have been doing an amazing job in their return as well. It's just, it's a really, really tough decision. And you hate to have to be there to have to make one of those decisions. Um, Chuck is there anyone that, how about this? Is there anyone that you feel the need to outright avoid more than anybody else? See,
1: I'm not scared of any of these teams. And honestly, I feel like Bayern Munich is a is a really tough matchup for any of the re- remaining teams that are in, left in this tournament. The problem is that you don't know you can't control injuries and you can't control how Bayern Munich reacts to having some time off while the rest of these teams are still playing their league season. So I think that if I had to pick a team that I'd rather not see until maybe the end, it would probably be Manchester city at this point. And as much as I would love to see Bayern kind of shove it to, uh, to Pep Guardiola, his team is playing really well right now. And I think they're going to dispatch Real Madrid, who also kind of has turned things around as well. I just wouldn't want to see Pep's squad so soon. So I think after Bayern pushes Chelsea out the door, it gets really murky. I mean, honestly, there are some teams that are not as threatening as others, but there are no bad teams left. And in this format and in the state of the world right now with how things are working and really Jake none of us know how these teams are going to really react to being kind of sequestered in Portugal so yeah Manchester City is my choice is the one I'd rather not see at this point
0: the other two the other remaining teams that have advanced are PSG Airbay Leipzig and Atalanta i want to pose this question to you cuz i think this one is going to be an interesting point who do you think is going to be the team that struggles the most going into this tournament that's already advanced or is yet to advance
1: yeah i would say uh, I mean, even though they've actually had a pretty good season atalanta is probably the one that's that jumps out to me i think Leon is could also really be susceptible if they somehow can even i know they hold a one goal advantage right now over juventus if they somehow can pull through and get by juventus i think they would also kind of be have a tough road ahead of them. But those are the two squads that I think, really, if you're looking for an ideal matchup, you probably want one of those two. Uh, Arbe Leipzig, I'm going to root for until, you know, any type of matchup with Bayern Munich in the final. But I would love to see them continue to have success in this tournament and make it through.
0: I'm going to say the team that I think is going to have the toughest road is... A team that you just mentioned, uh, RB Leipzig. Of course, they are going to lose Timo Werner. He's already said that he's not going to play for RB Leipzig when they uh, when they advance. I imagine that he's going to be cup tied and that he's not going to be able to play for Chelsea when they play their second leg at the Allianz Arena against Bayern Munich. But I think the other team that's going to struggle the most is Paris Saint Germain, and the reason why is because obviously France hasn't been playing any football for a very long time. And a lot of these players on this PSG team are probably not going to be match fit. And keep in mind, right, for those teams that have it pretty well set that they're going to advance, right, at a.k.a. Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich is probably the only team that I think has a clear and obvious Uh, path to the final, right? Barcelona-Napoli was a close game. Juventus lost to Lyon, so they have some work to do. And Real Madrid-Manchester City is not going to be set in stone for a very long time. So I think that all of those teams, all of those eight teams, whoever gets out of any of them The remaining four from those, I would actually peg those teams to be some of my favorites because in addition to all of their league play, they have a round of Champions League play under their belt as well. So to me, I think that PSG team would have benefited from the ability to play more matches and I think their lack of being able to will really come back to hurt them.
1: Yeah, that's a great point about PSG Jagan and that's one of the things that'll be really be fascinating to watch play out. Going back to Arbe Leipzig, I'm I, as someone who lived through the Allen Iverson era in Philadelphia, the Sixers at that point had a this just a phenomenal way of rallying whenever Allen Iverson was not in the lineup. I, I want to see if under Julian Nagelsmann if Arbe Leipzig can rally without Werner in the lineup. And if they'll come out and they'll be more motivated because, frankly, the world's going to be doubting them. The world's going to be against them. So I'm really, really interested to see if Nagelsmann can pull off a little magic with that roster.
0: Chuck. There is no equivalent of Dikembe Mutombo on that <laughs> RB Leipzig team.
1: What about Aaron McKee?
0: There is no equivalent to Aaron Mc- Aaron McKee. I actually know. I imagine that uh, Aaron McKee was a ball distributor, so I imagine that Emil Forsberg could be Aaron McKee. But the point is, totally. the point is, I don't think that there is enough firepower in terms of goal-scoring on this RB Leipzig team that's going to help them advance any farther, because Timo Werner was pretty much the be-all and end-all. I know that Patrick Schick is doing very well, but he doesn't play in as much of an advanced position. Neither does Marcel Zabitzer, and I think that's going to hurt them, especially when you consider the fact that their basic number one striker at this point is Yusuf Poulsen and he's only scored three goals in all competitions this season. That, to me, screams a major problem.
1: And it will. It'll come down to how Nagelsmann can maneuver that roster. He's got a really fantastic defense that he can build around and make games ugly with and play for that counterattack. And they do have some players in Nkunku and Schick and Polson who might be able to thrive in that kind of setup if they can find a way to get the best out of Forsberg, if they can find a way to get Conrad Limer and players like that to buy in and really perform in a defensive manner and play for that counterattack, they have enough talent to pull something like that off. And to me, Negelsman is the kind of coach that might be able to coax that out of that roster. So I, I really will be watching them closely.
0: It'll be fun to watch. And of course we have, a while before all of those matches take place, but when they do take place, we will be there to talk about them. That'll be all for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week with a recap of the Bay Pokal match, and then after that... We're gonna recap the entire Bundesliga season from a Bayern Munich standpoint. So be sure to stay tuned for that. Please be sure to like, rate, share, subscribe, and download us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your quality audio content. Follow us on Twitter at BavarianFBWorks, at the Barrel Blog, and at Jefferson Fenner. And until next time, when hopefully we have a double, we will see you later. Auf Wiedersehen.